Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships. This episode is going to be an Ask Justin episode, so you can ask me questions and I'll answer them on episodes. Uh, just ask, uh, send me an email to culturesexrelationships at gmail.com, culturesexrelationships at gmail.com, or if you're a patron of the show, patreon.com forward slash culturesexrelationships, you can send me a message there and I'll pick it up there too. And speaking of patrons, if you like this show and you like shows, you'd like me to produce more shows, then please consider subscribing to the Patreon. It is the only funding I have for this. This is a job for me. If you help fund the show, I can do more shows. Okay, so this week is going to be a little bit different in the way that I've done these before. The show was going to be shorter because I've already written out my answer to the question as a blog which I'll be publishing over at patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships, hint, hint. So I'm basically just reading a blog out, and because I've written all the advice, that means it's more concise and shorter, but hopefully still really valuable. (laughs) Okay, so the question is, recently my sister has started to question if she is ace, asexual, and I'm trying to do as much research as I can to help her, but I can't help but wonder why it is she's thinking this and whether something that has happened in the past may have caused this. I'm trying to fully understand what it means to be ace for her so that she can feel that she can come back to me and talk about it. And I say, the key to feeling like she can talk to you about anything is for her to feel confident that you will listen and be on her side. This means that it might be good for you to do some reading up about asexuality, but it doesn't mean that you should try to become an expert. In fact, if you try to become an expert in this, it might be really off-putting to her. The most important thing to do is to centre her experiences and understanding. If she says to you she's ace, she's ace. Learning about our sexualities can involve lots of different practices, such as learning from websites, from media, from other people's experiences, but also from doing. Ourselves are also extremely complex, with experiences, values, patterns, capacities, abilities, all being fed into by those around us, our communities, and culture at large. These all have a complex relationship with each other and feed off each other, and so it's only those of us who are in the middle of it that can even begin to make sense of it. Becoming our sexual or asexual selves is just that, an act of becoming. Becoming is a process of making and remaking ourselves. It implies that we are never really done or finished, because we aren't. Change is always happening within us and around us until the day we die, and not even then. So, to try to fully understand what it means to be ace for her is going to be a futile exercise, because this is something that she is trying to do for herself. Your involvement has to assist her in becoming. The way to help people when they are doing any work on themselves, particularly around sexuality, is to ask good questions and to listen and to give them the tools to do this for themselves too. As a member of the family, you also might want to be able to give her reassurance, to confirm things, to give her the permission to feel her feelings. While I mention questions, I think it's a good idea to stop and think of the questions that you are asking so far and some of the possible implications of the questions that you are asking. It's completely understandable to ask why this is happening or to get to the root of what might have happened to cause this, but let's unpack it. If we think about the asexual to allosexual spectrum, with folk not experiencing a great deal or any sexual attraction or desire at one end of the spectrum, asexual, and folk experiencing lots of sexual attraction or desire, that might happen quite quickly, at the other, allosexual. 
We might ask questions about someone who is either end of the spectrum, but we probably wouldn't about people who are right in the middle. For those people who have, in inverted commas, just the right amount of allosexuality or just the right amount of asexuality. You know, Goldilocks sexuality. This takes us back to our friend The Charmed Circle of Sexuality by Gail Rubin in her paper Talking Sexuality, where some sexualities, relationship models, sexual practices or sexual transactions are in the inner charmed circle and some are in the outer circle that society, government, culture, discourse tells us is really not okay. I think that either ends of the asexuality or allosexuality spectrum would be questioned in this way because it disrupts the normal or common sense idea that sex and relationships are about procreation. This is not to say that asexual or allosexual folk aren't interested in or can't procreate, but to say that society says that, in inverted commas, normal sexuality involves sexual practices that might, in inverted commas, naturally result in procreation, i.e., penis and vagina sex. So we question what is not normal, but we wouldn't question what is normal. If a loved one told us, or subtly implied, that their relationship included just the right amount of procreative sex with each other, would we question that? Why not? The history of sexuality has been a way of categorising what is and isn't okay in sex and relationships. Modern day sexology, i.e. since the Victorian times, has always focused on on what sex is normal or not paraphilic or reproductive or not reproductive or safe or not safe or moral or not moral as you can probably see the asking the question of and interrogating the cause of some sexualities and not others simply reinforces these unhelpful binaries of normal and not normal it also creates an uninterrogated default which does a disservice to everyone I think we would all benefit from questioning and drawing and redrawing our sexualities and relationships. So many people are so dissatisfied with the common sense received wisdom model of sex and sexuality, yet aren't encouraged to ask the radical questions that might lead them to the possibilities of a better life. The questions we could all be asking ourselves should probably be more interesting than what is the cause of my sexuality? My friend Kirsty and patron of the show has a very good analogy for this. No one asks what causes us to like cake or peanut butter or tea because they're not very interesting questions and they inevitably don't have a good, clear or illuminating answer. Though actually I do have a good story about how I got into tea. We don't know what causes our sexuality just as we don't really know what a cause for any other aspects of our lives might be. Even if we thought we did know what causes sexuality, it's not possible to go back in time and fix it just as it's not ethical to try and fix or convert anyone's sexualities. All we can do is to try to engage in a process of understanding of where we are and to ask questions that allow for a process of becoming. Much more interesting and pertinent questions might be, how do we like the things we like? What do we do with them? What else might we do with them? Are there possibilities for doing these with others? Are our likes shifting or refining? What conditions need to be in place to help maximise our joy? These are all questions that open up the possibility of becoming. So questions for our sexuality might be, how does my sexuality serve me? What potential does my sexuality have for the rest of my life? Does this have a way for me to navigate something that's happened in the past for me? What else can help me make sense of it? How might I practice this with others? What are the possibilities for maximising consent with myself and others here? What role is there of my fantasy life? 
Does this reveal anything about myself or selves that I haven't seen yet? Are there different stories or ideas or ways of becoming that I could reflect on? And also the classic Meg John Barker question, what does this open up and what does this close down? So here are some final tips for you to serve your sister's journey on her discovery of her asexual self. Make sure you are on her side. Try to make sure that you are talking with her and not at her. Do more listening than talking. Try to just summarise her points and help her clarify where she is. Be clear that you are affirmative in her sexuality and believe what she says. Do enough reading about asexuality so she doesn't have to educate you on the basics. But don't do so much research where you think that you are more expert than she is. And just be prepared to be the kind of brother who can just butt out and also be chill with her asexuality. I hope you found that helpful. Dear listener, you might also want to listen back to the episode Her Sexual Self, which is all about sexual subjectivities, which is what this is about. This is the last episode in the feed, both the Patreon version for the the full conversation. Again, that's over at patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships, or a shortened version is in the free feed too. Uh, Also check out, as I say, uh, Gail Rubin's Charm Circle of Sexuality paper, Also, dear listener, you might want to check out the Asexual Visibility and Education Network, A-V-E-N, at asexuality.org. It is such a fantastic resource for folk who are thinking about asexuality for themselves or for other people, and also uh, provides really great forums for people to be able to share their stories and talk to each other in ways that are really affirmative and kind. It's such a great resource. So um, that's asexuality.org. And if you have any questions that you would like me to answer in either a usual, more usual rambling podcast, which takes much longer, or these more concise, to-the-point podcasts where I'm just reading out a blog post, then do send in your questions, culturesexrelationships at gmail.com, or message me via the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culturesexrelationships. Until next time.